Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Get off of me! Get off! Let go of He's fucking choking me! He's choking me! What the fuck? Get the fuck off me! Yeah, but you're choking, you're choking her. As a man on a guy, as a man on a girl, as a man on a girl and you choke her. For what? For a mask? For not, for not having a mask? Look how pathetic you are. She doesn't have a mask. Are you serious? Are you serious? Just for not having a mask. Yeah, that's a rough ass way to begin the uh, episode today. Uh, but it had to be done. Um, that was the audio that I clipped out of a video that came over uh, as a tweet. From somebody somewhere, I guess, in London town or whatever. And, <clears throat> you know, it's just like what it sounds like. This woman was walking without a mask and the cops just freaking assaulted her. These are the times that we are living in. These are the times that we need to escape. What tool, what weapon shall we pick? It is 9.34 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 11th of August, 2020. And this is episode 268 of Bitcoin and got a bunny. In fact, it's that same very white rabbit I was telling you about. If you didn't listen to the episode, it was, I don't know, a couple of, a couple of ones back. Uh, but my daughter came to come, uh, came to get me one night and said, there's a, or one morning and said, there's a bunny in our yard. So we went out back and sure enough, there's like a white rabbit and I'm talking solid white like cloud-like. In fact, I think we're going to end up naming her clouds um, because she is a, uh, what I've come, what we've come to find out is that she is in fact a albino Rex, R-E-X, cottontail bunny. And it's a, it's a pretty little thing, but here's the fun, here's the fun thing about that whole episode. She had been wanting to get like, you know, a chinchilla or a guinea pig or some kind of small animal. And she had considered a rabbit and she wanted one for once one for her birthday, you know, which is coming up. And we were like, we'll think about it. Well, then she saw the rabbit, the little bunny, and then she really wanted a rabbit. Well, it turns out that that was not going to be the, uh, that was not going to be the last time I saw the white rabbit. Uh, later on that evening or either it was either that evening or later on. Uh, I saw two white rabbits in the neighbor's yard. Uh, they are fixing up this old abandoned house, uh, so they won't don't live there right now. So you know, I got I got my daughter, and we went out and checked, and sure enough, there were two cottontail rabbits chilling out in the yard. So uh, we talked to the neighbors the very next day about him, and she, uh, one of the neighbor or you know, the wife was saying that she know she used to raise rabbits. Amazingly enough. 
Uh, and uh, she told us what kind it was and, you know, what their habits were and the fact that they were living in the abandoned house and she didn't really want to kick them out or kill them or sick animal control on them. And she was kind of hoping somebody would come get them. And somebody did. Well, at least one of them. We can't seem to get the other bunny to, to get trapped. But this bunny was so easily trapped, I didn't even have to go get a trap. We just went and got a dog carrier, put it next to her inside the house where she was kind of lounging like during the day it put some water in a scrap of lettuce in there and within one minute that rabbit hopped in the cage and we closed the door behind her and now my daughter has the very same white rabbit that we saw a few days ago moral of the story if you allow it to the universe will provide sort of like the dude right if you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch The Big Lebowski. If you haven't seen it, I don't know what you're doing, but you're in for a treat. That movie is freaking awesome, especially like the third or fourth time through. It's just so great. However, what is not so great uh, is this um, tweet from Jason, uh, at Jason. And he uh, he's just linking to a story. Uh, he's linking linking to a story about... The, um, oh, this guy from in Hong Kong that was arrested, he was a media, pretty much a media magnate, one of the big ones in Hong Kong and the new security law, uh, that they got him on it and they arrested his ass. So this prompted Jason to say, Hong Kong is gone. The dream is over. Communist or Chinese communist party is one. The people put up their best fight, but they fought alone. We just watched. They will take Taiwan next. While some of you cried about the loss of TikTok, they lost human rights, justice, and the press. Gone now, like tears in the rain. Yeah, we should probably not allow this shit to happen. But this brings me to a point, and I mean, even even I saw, you know, said something about it yesterday, that uh, we, we lost Hong Kong. We've lost it. And somebody, you know, I guess they took it the wrong way, but they uh, kind of corrected me in saying that it was never ours to begin with because it belonged to the mainland uh, Chinese people, which in truth, legally, it does. Okay, that's, that's not in question. The British had a lease on Hong Kong and the harbor and all that for 99 years, and then they gave it back. Now, they violated the law in so far the Chinese uh, Communist Party did violate the law insofar as the rules of the turnover and it was supposed to be sort of a hands-off deal for something like 20 years. Yeah, that was never gonna happen. <clears throat> but what I what I was referring to when I said we lost Hong Kong, we are the free people. Or those who wish for freedom. I'm more free than somebody who's living in on mainland China. I myself am not free. If you're listening to me and you're in a Western country, neither are you. The only person that's free was Grizzly Adams or somebody like that who lived by themselves on a mountaintop out in the middle of nowhere. God bless them. But until we achieve that for ourselves, and honestly, I don't want to be a man. I love being in the mountains, but I don't want to be a grizzly bear hugging mountain man. Okay. I don't want to be by myself. I like other people. Other people sometimes rock. You know, they rock. Sometimes they suck, but what are you going to do? I'm just saying that 
for those who want freedom, we lost Hong Kong and Taiwan is next. Okay. You start watching Taiwan like a hawk. And there's a couple of things about that. First, what the obvious is that what happened to Hong Kong is going to happen to Taiwan. I don't think anybody's going to do anything about it. But what's not so evident is what's going on in Taiwan. Or what I, what I think is going on in Taiwan is that the rich people there, they are looking at Hong Kong. They know what everybody else knows, that they are next. And they are getting their shit ready to get out. And the best way to do that is to shove your wealth into something that can be unlocked as you walk over a border naked with 12 or 24 words. That would be Bitcoin. So what I expect is that the merest hint of trouble in Taiwan and you're going to see a massive Asian flight, a complete depletion of their capital fundage because people are going to shove it into Bitcoin and they are indeed going to just walk over the border and they're just going to leave. This shit is happening in cities throughout the world. I'm seeing it specifically in the United States because of this COVID nonsense. Not to say that COVID isn't lethal. Not to say that it's not dangerous. Not to say that you shouldn't take it at least seriously. But the crying and the gut-wrenching wailing, and I just, it's like insane. But I have been seeing the leakage of the productive out of cities and Wyoming and Colorado and Montana are getting these people. The American West is becoming populated with those people who are just sick of the shit. What sucks is that some of these people that are sick of the shit are the people that caused the very stink hole to, you know, form in the first place. Will they have learned their lesson? I don't know. But I do know that the West American, the American West states, uh, they have a tendency outside of the state legislatures to not put up with nonsense. They can like, you know, Colorado is highly blue state, but most of that blue is on the east side of the Rockies concentrated between Colorado Springs, uh, Denver and Boulder. Everywhere else, you don't trespass on somebody's land because they will shoot your ass. Completely blue state, yet most of the people that I know won't they don't put up with this nonsense so just watch taiwan and see see what happens in the end china's going to take taiwan what we're not sure of is how many people are going to get out and with how much capital they get out with all right let's see is there anything else from the community news that uh i need to get into oh yes i do uh, I ran the numbers in at uh, block height 643,218. We had a total supply of Bitcoin of 18,457,435.8787054545 Bitcoin. Run the numbers and stop bitching. Let's get into the news. Of all the hills to die upon, do not die upon the hill of Ripple. Woman jailed in Australia for stealing $400,000 in XRP 
Sharira Malwa is writing this one for Decrypt.co sometime this morning. Uh, she goes on, a 25-year-old woman in Sydney was sentenced to a maximum of two years and three months in jail today for stealing over 100,000 cripple tokens, or that's XRP. According to Information Age, the woman, Catherine Wynn, and an accomplice hacked a man's cryptocurrency account, that's not the way to say it, but in January of 2018, and changed the two-factor authentication code to her mobile number. This allowed Wynn to transfer the victim's XRP holdings worth over $400,000 at the time to her account. Wynn then used multiple Bitcoin exchanges to shuffle the funds. She did not cash out her illicit holdings, the report said, but the gains did not last long. Police said Wynn tried her hand at Bitcoin trading, you mean crypto trading, after the theft, eventually losing money. She then started a handbag repair business in Sydney. <laughs> Presiding Judge Chris Craigie said it was difficult and a troubling decision to send Wynn to prison and that her references reflected a generous and hardworking personality. A common thread was the offender's willingness to help others. This takes on a different meaning in her willingly participating and assisting in a criminal enterprise, said Craigie. Wynn's case <clears throat> made her the first Australian citizen arrested and jailed over cryptocurrency theft in Australia. The country introduced rules for criminal instances back in 2018, with a few offenders already undergoing trials. In June this year, police arrested a Sydney man in connection with creating multiple online accounts to launder funds using Bitcoin. The offender faces a maximum of 10 years in jail if convicted. Meanwhile, the convictions are a positive sign for the crypto industry. They show criminal usage can both be tracked and uncovered, bringing them on par with fiat currencies for regulators. The depth of not understanding what the hell is going on here is kind of frightening. In a way, you know, Shara is, is right, I suppose, but it's a Trojan horse. It's a complete Trojan horse, man. And not, and certainly 99.99% of cryptocurrencies are frauds and they will never achieve the technical competency of what's going on on Bitcoin. But it will flag the regulators and law enforcement officers to pick up the easy fruit before they go after the hard fruit. And while they're out there busting their ass, picking up old rotten fruit off the ground and the low hanging fruit off the trees, uh, by the time they get to the high hanging fruit, yeah, you're not really going to be able to track what's going on if done properly. That's the caveat. If done properly. Following OCC letter, some United States banks appear open to providing crypto services. You better because you'll lose your customer base if you don't. August 11th, 2020, Nicholas Day writing this one for Coindesk. He goes on, <clears throat> multiple national banks responded to the OCC's June advance notice of proposed rulemaking, which asked the general public to weigh in before on August 3rd on how cryptocurrencies and other fintech tools might be used in the financial sector. Notably, several banks, including U.S. Bank, and PNC indicated they might be interested in actually providing crypto custody and other services to customers. The responses by just under a dozen banks among the total 89 submissions from think tanks, policy advocates, crypto startups, and other entities represent one of the strongest signs yet that traditional financial institutions view the still nascent crypto space as a legitimate asset class, people. 
the responses contrast sharply with the open letter sent to acting comptroller of the currency, Brian Brooks. The letter, which opposed a narrow payment charter for fintech companies, was signed by many of the same respondents that sent to the OCC on July the 29th. Fresh guidance from the OCC may help provide the necessary legal comfort for banks to provide crypto native analogs to traditional bank services, wrote Juan Suarez, Coinbase's vice president and general counsel for the enterprise. Although these services such as borrowing, lending, and remittances are permissible activities for national banks, there remains some uncertainty as to whether the provision of these services using cryptocurrencies is authorized, he said. Peter Nigerian, chief revenue officer at BitGo, told Coindesk the ANPR's very existence is exciting as it's a frankly inevitable step in the maturing of the ecosystem. Dominic Venturo, chief digital officer at U.S. Bank National Association, perhaps went the furthest in his response, writing that the OCC and other banking regulators should issue guidance around the cryptocurrency market, as well as the expectations for services conducted on distributed ledger technology. A lack of clear regulations might result in both banks and customers being unwilling to invest or use cryptocurrencies and similar digital assets, he wrote, with customers potentially being interested in investing in crypto, funding traditional financial products, using cryptos as payment, tokenizing physical assets. Quote, U.S. Bank does not have a position on the role the cryptocurrency should undertake in the financial services sector, but merely seeks additional regulatory clarity to service the cryptocurrency market as it is currently structured or may be structured in the future, he wrote. The OCC should work with other federal regulators to clarify how cryptocurrencies and digital assets are treated, Venturo wrote. Specifically, he suggested the OCC differentiate between utility tokens, stablecoins, and exchange tokens, clarify the requirement for providing custody services, cross-border restrictions, and the extent consensus rules must be part of a transaction. End quote. PNC Bank's head of technology and innovation, Stephen Van Wick, commented that the OCC should continue to reinforce the national, that national banks should take a risk-based approach in reviewing new products, but should not have risk elimination as the ultimate goal. Quote, all banking activities, including deposit taking and lending, involve risk. And the implementation of new technologies necessarily will involve some degree of risk, Van, Van Wick wrote. A supervision framework that is focused only on preventing risk will, almost by necessity, prevent responsible innovation and in the implementation of new technologies by national banks. Financial institutions and OCC rulemaking should have some focus on customer protections, several of the responses indicated. Banks might even need to be encouraged to use privacy-enhancing cryptocurrency technologies, wrote Peter Van Valkenburg, Coin Center's Director of Research, he said banks are obligated to both protect their customers' privacy as well as surveil and report activities that may break the law. In his view, they can do this effectively with privacy coins and other tools. Banks can conduct know-your-customer checks and otherwise identify their users to comply with relevant laws before providing privacy services by using mixers or other tools to facilitate crypto transactions. Quote, they should perform heightened due diligence on any payments their customers initiate or receive if either the amounts involved are substantial or a suspicious pattern of behavior has emerged with respect to several smaller transactions, Van Valkenburg wrote. Tina Wu, a senior managing counsel for regulatory affairs at MasterCard, also suggested consumer protection rules by the OCC would be helpful. 
addressing both security and privacy concerns, the OCC should develop criteria for which types of currencies in which banks may transact, she wrote, which addresses core network principles, including protecting customers and preventing money laundering or terrorist financing. It's for the children, people. It's all for the children. Uh, the OCC, oh wait, we believe cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology hold the potential to enhance operational resiliency, improve auditability and edit, sorry, and enable new functionality. She wrote, not all submissions were positive. Some expressed concern about relaxing regulations. (laughs) Here we go. Cornell law school, professor Dan Ari, Wharton financial institution center, senior fellow, James McAndrews and Columbia Law School academic fellow and lecturer Lev Minard wrote the OCC's ANPR has two major flaws, an excessive focus on finding ways to relax existing rules and its narrow focus in updating the regulatory framework for national banks and savings associations. Menand and an associate for a digital dollar structure and supported efforts to introduce a digital dollar in multiple congressional bills earlier this year. Quote, money and payment systems are based on confidence. It's a con game, guys. He just said it right there. It's based on confidence. It's a con game, man. In the case of national banking systems, this confidence stems from highly sophisticated regulatory frameworks that govern national banks. These regulatory frameworks include federal deposit insurance, access to central bank liquidity support, and a special resolution regime. In other words, individuals trust banks because of a strict regulatory regime that lets them deposit their funds secure in the knowledge that their money is safeguarded. Offloading personal responsibility. Yeah, and, you know, honestly, that's just where I'm going to stop on this one. Because, okay, here's what I see out of this whole thing. First, they laughed at us, and then they called us names, and then they fought us a little bit harder than that. But at this point, it's like full tilt going the other direction. It's like they just didn't even have the energy to get up to a full-blown battle. They know what's coming. They're not stupid. They're not. Here's the problem, though. There are thousands of shitcoins that they can co-opt to do stuff, okay? The chances of them using Bitcoin, except for the smart ones, you know, and they'll, so it, it will emerge. I mean, I'm not worried about that. But what bugs me is the fact that you got shit like Ripple, Ethereum that apparently can't count, um, and Chainlink and EOS and, and all the people behind those are going to be so, if they're not already corrupt, because I fully think that they're all scammers, then they will become just as corrupt as the system that Bitcoin seeks to replace or not replace, but at least pull some teeth out of. I mean, even if we pull some, just pull some teeth out of it and maybe declaw some of these things, you know, it would be enough. I don't need it to completely replace every single bank. I need it to pull the teeth out of central banks. I need there to be a pressure release valve for the world to say, I'm done with your money printing. I'm done with you handing out money to your friends. This, this ends here. Does that mean central banks go away? Maybe in some countries, very possible. All of them? No, because that kind of power 
is not so easily let go of. I guarantee it. All right, report. Regulators reject CZ's application to become shareholder in a troubled bank. <laughs> Can you imagine CZ? <laughs> they should have asked Arthur Hayes. Mary Hullett, writing this one for Cointelegraph sometime this morning, alleged attempts to bring Binance CEO CZ on as an anchor shareholder in a troubled Liechtenstein bank have reportedly been blocked by regulators. Liechtenstein's financial market authority has reportedly pulled the plug on an alleged application to bring Binance CEO Cheng Peng Chao on as a major shareholder in a distressed domestic bank, as reported by Swiss financial news outlet Inside Paredeplatz on August the 10th. The FMA rejected the purported application and also declined to approve an extension for further expert opinion that could intercede to save the rumored deal. On In November 2019, Zurich-based commercial lawyer Wolfram Cooney had reportedly addressed the Union Bank AG's shareholder claiming, quote, the FMA is likely to accept Binance as a shareholder. However, given that Union Bank, as of now, is default of the FMA order regarding own funds, uh, FMA has made it clear that Binance must file to application for approval as shareholder and pay in amount of CHF $15 million, which is about $15 million U.S., to escrow account for a later capital increase by the end of November, end quote. Union Bank has notal- notably been mired in several financial and legal difficulties. One of its reported early backers, Ukrainian entrepreneur Konstantin Zhivago, <clears throat> has been on an international wanted list for alleged fraud and of course, money laundering since December of 2019. All the banks seem to do that. Seeking new shareholders to salvage the institution's future, uh, Kuomi had allegedly hoped to relaunch Union Bank AG as a platform for crypto users. In private co- correspondence with Telegraph, Cointelegraph, a Binance representative wrote that Binance did not try to put CZ on the board. End quote. <clears throat> the representative added that Binance was not rejected by Liechtenstein Financial Marketing Authority, as reported for an application for Union Bank to bring on Binance as a major shareholder. Previously, Binance's chief financial officer, Wei Zhao, had categorically denied the rumored application by the exchange to become a shareholder, saying it was inaccurate. An official statement published yesterday by Union Bank AG indicates that an August 7th general meeting, the shareholders of Union Bank resolved to voluntarily liquidate the bank. The reason for the liquidation was the bank's failure to meet the capital adequacy requirements of the European Capital Adequacy Ordinance. Oh, God, the European Union. According to the statement, the bank failed to meet these requirements because no shareholder that could have contributed the necessary funds would be acceptable to the FMA and or none of them could be found rather in recent months the board of directors had its, has intensively reviewed various options that would have permitted the continuation of operational banking activities under a new anchor shareholder and with a significantly higher capital base it was not possible to renew the group of shareholders although intensive negotiations were held with interested parties some of which have also gone through the regulatory approval process so cz tried uh CZ may or may not have tried to become a member of this Liechtenstein bank as a shareholder, but man, I mean, would it have been cool? I don't know, man. He lists so many shit coins. It's, it's, it would just be nasty to think of him in the, in this sector. But again, this is going to happen. The people, like Brian Armstrong, CZ, Arthur Hayes, these guys are well-situated 
to make the people of the legacy financial system enamored with them. And they will seek these people out. And we're going to, we'll probably see a drain of these guys into the legacy financial institution and they'll bring their shit coinery along with them. So just, you know, be aware this, this stuff is going on and there's not a whole lot that we can do to, to stop it except continue to stack sats. Ex Google hacker retrieves $300,000 in Bitcoin from an encrypted file. An anonymous Russian investor recruited the hacker to break an encrypted wallet in order to rescue thousands of lost Bitcoin. This was written by Scott Cipollina for Decrypt.co sometime this morning. Pyrofex Corp CTO Michael Stay once broke open an encrypted zip file to rescue $300,000 worth of Bitcoin on behalf of an anonymous Russian investor. According to a recent speech on YouTube, the Russian investor approached him because of his previously published work on hacking encrypted zip files. Quote, if we find the password successfully, I will thank, end quote, he wrote to Stay. Uh, According to Stay, the investor purchased the Bitcoin for only $10,000 in 2016, but having placed his funds in the encrypted file and forgetting his password, it seemed like he had lost his Bitcoin forever. Stay, who worked for Google as a security engineer for six years, and who has written over 30 password cracker guides for access data in the early 1990s stepped up to the challenge. Stay realized early on that the file encryption was robust, and at first he had a little information to start with. The anonymous investor was unable to recall key information and didn't immediately trust Stay, so he wasn't much help as Stay began trying to open the file. To crack the code, Stay developed a program that attempted different password combinations over time. At first, this process was set to take months. Instead, Stay recruited the help of Pyrofex CEO Nash Foster to cut the task down to just a few days. The entire operation cost $7,000. Stay suggested it would have been much higher if the old encryption software at use had been updated. The anonymous investor split the reward, giving Stay $100,000. Quote, this case truly recaptures or captures the inherent trade-off between key confidentiality and availability, Tal Beery, co-founder of Keyless Bitcoin Wallet Zengo, told Decrypt. Quote, when people think about the security of their cryptocurrency private keys, they fear it will get stolen, so they try to hide it as much as possible, in this case within an encrypted zip file, but in reality it's much more likely to be subject to loss, he added. Perhaps this is such a thing as too much security. Well, I guess it's possible. I've heard, you know, I've heard this kind of, you know, conjecture before that you get so paranoid that you end up shooting yourself in the foot. And I think that goes with just about anything. You know, don't let perfect be the enemy of the good or the good enough. Let's roll some numbers. Man, I need a dice roll sound effect for coming into this thing. Today's major indices, mostly higher and not a whole lot of meh. There's a S&P 500 is up half a point. NASDAQ is down a quarter. Dow Jones is up a point and, I don't know, uh, 1.16. FTSE's up a one and a third point. The Nikkei is up damn near two. The Hang Seng is over two. Shanghai is down 1.15. VIX is down by three points. Yeah, so not a whole lot of meh, uh, you know, and all the, oh, wow, all the bond yields have increased today. Uh, the yield for the U.S. 10-year is now 0.64. 
The 30-year is 1.3. The German Bund has peaked over its negative 0.5 to hit a, to hit a high of negative 0.479. God, just having to having to lose money to hold that thing, I don't understand. Oil, the West Texas Intermediate last is $42.33 a barrel. That is a point to the upside. Natural gas having a day, uh, it's up 1.21%, bringing uh, one MCF to $2.17. Gold, if you haven't, if you've been under a rock, gold dipped under $2,000. It got its uh, foot foot smashed by 3.7% to the downside. Its last was 1963 bucks. Silver getting kicked square in the crotch. It's down 6.12%. Uh, $27.5 was its last. Let's talk about money. Bitcoin, 11606 uh, is the last I see. I've got a low at GDAX at 11560 I got a high at Simex at $11,874. transactions have been done in the last 24 hours, giving us about 14,500 transactions on average per hour. 1 million BTC have been sent over the last 24 hours, and that gives us about 45,150 BTC being sent on average per hour with an average transaction value of 3.13 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.057, and that's about 660 bucks. Block time is low, nine minutes, 36 seconds. We have one BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and over one, wow, 152 BTC taken as uh, fees in the last 24 hours. We've had a drop in hash rate of damn near 8%, bringing us down to 117.5 exahashes per second. Ethereum, 387 bucks. Bcash, 289. BSV, 212. Litecoin, 56. Ethereum Classic at 6.84. And Doge taking a nosedive, 0.0034. But with 56,000 transactions, it's stomping Ethereum Classic, Litecoin, and the pathetic 18,000 transactions on Bcash. Let's see what Clark Moody has to say about the mempool. Well, it's not really the mempool, is it? The mempool he's looking at is ha- it says it's got 33,000 transactions chilling out. It's going to need 22 blocks to clear those transactions. Clark Moody's price is on the low side, 11,530 bucks. And as far as the Lightning Network is concerned, we have ooh nice, we got a new all-time high on tour. Uh, 90, 974.8 BTC are in the uh, in for capacity over the entirety of the network. Uh, that gives us $11.2 million of liquidity spread across 7,336 Lightning nodes, representing 36,363 Lightning channels. Tor capacity is at a solid 45% today. Woohoo! All right, brother. Uh, that is 438.33 BTC spread across 200. Oh, sorry, 2,152 nodes. That's gonna do it for the numbers. Barry Silbert is at it again. Uh, Priyeshi Garg is writing this one for Crypto Slate. 
com. When did you write it? Give me a date. Give me a date. Oh, today. Grayscale kicks off national cryptocurrency ad campaign on CNBC, MSNBC, and Fox. Grayscale Investments, a crypto investing and asset management company, has launched a nationwide cryptocurrency ad campaign with TV commercials airing on the aforementioned uh, networks and Fox Business in the United States. Barry Silbert, the company's CEO, announced the campaign last week, while Michael Sonashine, Grayscale's managing director, shared the ad on Twitter earlier today. One of the most prominent cryptocurrency asset management companies in the industry, Grayscale Investments, has kicked off an ambitious advertisement campaign on national television channels in the United States. First announced last week by the company's CEO, Barry Silbert, the ad campaign represents the company's efforts to legitimize the crypto industry and attract more users to its platform. The ad saw its first few minutes of airtime earlier today on August the 10th. The 30-second clip features a brief history of money from prehistoric goods trading to modern fiscal policy and showcases cryptocurrencies as the solution to money printing. Michael Sonnenschein, Grayscale's managing director, shared the video on his Twitter account. Grayscale's Go Digital ad divides crypto Twitter. Oh, sorry. That's a, I, I missed that up. Sorry. Continuing, while cryptocurrency advertisements in mainstream media aren't new, Grayscale's upcoming TV presence is seen by many as a major step for the industry. A large part of the crypto community believe, believes the ad will ultimately be positive uh, for the entire crypto space as it legitimizes the industry. However, many saw the company's ad as a waste of both money and screen time, arguing that its relatively vague proposition to, quote, go digital, won't do much to remove the taboo many associates with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is merely mentioned on the screen alongside of, and here it comes, BCH, ETH, ETC, ZEN, LTC, XLM, XRP, and ZEC trusts. Oh, God, it hurts. Oh, yeah. Let's give it a listen. Before money, people traded goods, tools, cattle, grain, even shells represented value. Then currency came along. They made it out of copper, gold, silver, wampum. Soon people decided to put all that value into a piece of paper, then proceeded to wave goodbye to value, printing unlimited amounts of money as they passed the buck to the future. That's why it's time for digital currency and your investment in the Grayscale funds. Go digital. Go Grayscale. All right, man. After being, you know, kind of know how to mix a little bit, uh, I got to say that was a shitty job. I really do. I know. I'm probably just way too negative today, but my God almighty. I mean, when Joey Ramone's voice comes up at the very end, it completely clouds over anything the announcer is saying. Through the entirety of the commercial, the music is way too high, and little special sound effects are way too low, and honestly, the whole thing sounds like it got smashed through like the shittiest compressor on the face of the planet. So hopefully... What actually happened is that where I got that clip from, which was from the the managing director's Twitter account, that he had some kind of jacked up version of what actually went out on television. Because if that thing went out on television, uh, that's just, that would be, um, that would be uh, disappointing. Anyway, yeah, at least you tried. And so did Charles Hoskinson. Ethereum Classics leadership, however, says they don't need Charles Hoskinson's bailout. 
Cointelegraph's Michael Kapelkov is writing this one sometime very early this morning. Cardano, ADA founder, uh, Charles Hoskinson, recently offered to help the Trouble Ethereum Classic community, but it came with a major condition. The condition would have would first have to institute a decentralized treasury system similar to Hoskinson's Cardano and many other blockchain projects. If the community did not accept his terms, Hoskinson felt like his help would have been a waste of time and money. Quote, it's not worth my company's time or our strategies to pivot for a grant or a one-off payment to go and bail us out. If there is a treasury system, it means that I can be in the business of building open source innovations and open source software and bringing these things to market and be paid to do that patent-free and open source, end quote. Oh, oh that's, oh, man. Ethereum Classic recently suffered multiple 51% attacks, leaving the project's fate uncertain. According to Hoskinson, his Cardano development company, IOHK, has done quite a bit of research in the proof-of-work space and may have a way to prevent similar attacks from occurring on the network in future. IOHK has developed a hybrid proof-of-work, proof-of-stake protocol that also employs a periodic checkpoint system to prevent hostile network reorgs, Hoskinson still has a 15-man team working on this project, but he is not willing to make any future commitments unless Ethereum Classic leadership accepts his terms. He's a big CEO. Despite leaving the Ethereum project to work on Cardano, Hoskinson believes that it is still his moral obligation to help the project. Better put a tie on that ego, buddy. Yet Hoskinson lamented that despite him helping the Ethereum Classic community in the past, he has been treated unfairly by its leadership. Terry Culver, CEO in ETC Labs and ETC Core, released this statement to Cointelegraph in response to Hoskinson's offer. Quote, as an open source decentralized community, we welcome all ideas and appreciate that so many people in the blockchain community have reached out to us. That said... We're not waiting for someone else to step in. We are a focused team who are passionate for ETC, and we will work diligently to ensure a bright future for Ethereum Classic. End quote. Apparently, the Ethereum Classic community feels it has enough internal resources to deal with the difficult situation before them. Okay, two things, and let's get the, the, the real one out of the way first. You need more hash power. That's why your chain is getting attacked, Okay and all other chains that are proof of work chains that don't have a barrel full of, you know, a shotgun barrel worth of load for hash rate is going to suffer the same fate. There's not a technology you can introduce. I mean, any technology you quote unquote introduce on something like this to help them not get attacked because they have shitty hash rate because nobody uses the chain isn't going, I mean, all it's going to do is, is cause other problems, right? And this hybrid proof of work, proof of stake is all bullshit anyway. Now, getting into the, the last thing that I'll say is the, the arrogance of this man, Charles Hoskinson. Let, let's read this one again. It's not worth my company's time or our strategies to pivot for a grant or a one-off payment to go and bail us out. I'm stopping right there. To go and bail us out. That language suggests, actually doesn't suggest, it's, it makes it very clear that Charles Hoskinson has already put himself as part of that team, even though he's not. Okay, bail us out. His company will give money to bail us out. 
I mean, honestly, it's like it, he, this man has pronoun issues beyond reckoning. And it's because of his ego. This guy has probably the largest ego in the space. And that's saying something. That's saying a lot. The fact of the matter is, is it not, it's not a complete clown show or shit show like Roger Ver or Craig Wright is. So therefore he fly, you know, basically can fly under the radar, but make no freaking mistake. This dude has some real ego issues. So I would steer clear of anything that Hoskinson has to do with Bitcoin trading stores in Argentina and Brazil as local currencies weekend. Jose Antonio Lanz writing this one for Decrypt.co sometime yesterday. While DeFi may have some traders dreaming of complicated lending strategies and governance protocols in certain parts of the world, it's still Bitcoin that promises a censorship-resistant way to protect against rapidly inflating local currencies. According to a recent report from analytics firm Arcane Research, Bitcoin has just broken price records in Argentina, Brazil, and Turkey with growth in fiat terms of 169%, 20%, and 5% respectively over the last two months. In truth, however, these stats uh, say much more about the troubled state of these countries' economies than it does about any growing local interest in crypto, but... When it comes to Argentina and Brazil in particular, a surge in local Bitcoin trading volume suggests crypto could be gaining favor among traders as a hedge over other instruments. Both Brazil and Argentina were already experiencing financial crises long before the coronavirus pandemic, which has only made things worse. Yeah, disease will kill the dying. It, it just, it'll, it'll, it'll kill them faster, that's for damn sure. The financial turmoil brought on by COVID-19 pandemic, which Brazil's president suggested in May was just a little flu, has seen the real, the local Brazilian currency, devalued by more than 30% against the United States dollar. Interest rates have also fallen to historical levels of 2% per year, causing the popular strategy of investing in fixed income instruments to be set aside in favor of funds, stocks, and it appears even cryptocurrencies. According to data from metric site Useful Tulips, Brazil just recorded more than $700,000 in Bitcoin trading volume last week, a new year to date high. Meanwhile, Argentina last week surpassed 1 million in weekly Bitcoin trading volume per data from Useful Tulips, a figure never before reached by traders in the country. Argentina is currently in the midst of its worst economic crisis in decades. Yeah, see Venezuela. With plenty of blame to go around, both the leftist governments of the Kirchner dynasty and the right-wing governments from Menem to Mauricio Macri have failed to move the country forward. The current president, Alberto Fernandez, inherited from former president Macri an economy that is considered the second most miserable in the world behind only Venezuela. Oh, man. It is with this backdrop that Argentines appear to be turning to Bitcoin in greater numbers as potentially a way to protect against a devaluing local currency given the local regulations prevent them from easily accessing foreign currencies such as dollars or euros. Okay. Good news for Bitcoin, bad news for Argentinians and or Argentines. I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it. And the Brazilians. Uh, it's too kind of too bad. You know, I, I'm honestly, I didn't expect this kind of shit to happen with Ar Argentina. And I'm not talking about the Bitcoin thing. I'm talking about just the lousy state of their economy because Argentina has always somehow or another reminded me a lot of Texas. And it's not just because of all the cattle ranching. 
it's they sort of had that that same you know entrepreneurial and exploratory spirit and it does so i guess it doesn't matter socialism kills everything it touches and it doesn't matter who you are or what country you're in or or how resilient your people are you even look at socialism and it starts killing people it's amazing let's continue on bitcoin's hash rate remains flat <clears throat> despite major price rally andre andre shevchenko is writing this one for coin telegraph sometime late last night bitcoin mining activity doesn't seem to be reacting to the recent price rally that took the asset from approximately 9000 in early july to almost 12000 at the time of publication according to data from coin metrics hash rate spiked at around july 11th and has remained largely flat amid fluctuations to the downside <laughs> Wait till the deliveries are shipped. Ugh. Sorry, it's there's always a delay in shipments on uh, cryptocurrency miners. And as far as I know, almost every cryptocurrency mining manufacturing company is basically sold out. There are backlogs at Bitmain. I guarantee you this is not going to last. So let's continue. Since July, hash rate growth appears to have slowed. As the difficulty saw its first decline since early June, the trough in hash rate in mid-July right after a significant difficulty increase suggests that the balancing mechanism overshot. Difficulty was set too high for the available hash rate, slowing down block production. While for most of July, Bitcoin's price remained steady, it crept up until a dramatic rally took it to the highs of 11,500 in the second half of the month. Hash rate is sitting below all-time highs even as two weeks pass since the major leg of the rally. During protracted rallies, hash rate tends to trail price as the supply of new miners is constrained by physical supply chains. However, the industry is currently experiencing additional disruptions stemming from the power struggle at Bitmain. Yeah, or God, that thing is just such a circus. As Cointelegraph reported previously, shipments of new mining devices are being halted for at least three months, and that's the stuff out of Bitmain. News of the disruption broke amidst the ongoing struggle for company dominance between Bitmain's two co-founders, Jihan Wu and Makri Zhan. Bitmain is one of the biggest manufacturers of ASIC devices, though competitors like MicroBT have been hot on their trail or tail since the start of 2020. As delivery of new devices is halted, a significant chunk of ASIC supply is being restricted. At the same time, the rally rendered the old S9 series of miners slightly profitable at electricity prices of $0.04, or four pennies, uh, according to ASIC miner value. As Bitmain competitors scale their operations up and old miners are gradually turned back on, it is likely that the hash rate will resume growth. So yeah, you know, I mean, this this happens. You know, it's, I mean, it's happening now and we'll all, you know, these kind of things, I, I give it to you so you know where the FUD is going to come from. Oh, bit. Mining flat rate spiral or mining death spiral or, oh my God, it doesn't matter if you can count how many Bitcoin there are. I mean, oh, just it, it washes over you. And after a while, it's like a warm bath and it's just like, you just want to soak into it. Don't, don't do it, man. Get out of that tub. Get out right now, bro. Get out. Bitcoin trading sword. Oh, wait a minute. I already did that one. I don't know why it's up twice. Richard Stallman, a discussion on freedom, privacy, and cryptocurrencies. This was August the 8th, uh, penned by Felipe Erazo for Cointelegraph. Dr. Stallman spent most of his time advocating for free software, but nowadays he has been adopting a critical stance on cryptocurrencies. Oh, yay, some good. Dr. Richard Stallman is well known for his free software movement activism. His speeches and work revolve around a term, freedom. 
it and it is precisely that word that prompted Stallman to launch the GNU project, founding the Free Software Foundation and releasing the GNU general public license, among other projects, to promote the free software concepts. RMS, as Dr. Stallman is also known, has some opinions regarding the concept of cryptocurrencies that have been widely discussed, discussed within the crypto community. To understand the concept of freedom, Stallman often mentions in his speeches, he explains the difference between free software and open source, as the latter term is often wrongly attributed to his work. Quote, the idea of free software is a matter of right and wrong, justice and injustice. The idea is that users deserve control over the software that they are using. You as a user of software deserve control over the software that you are using, and you deserve to be free to join with other users to exercise this control collectively, whichever groups you choose to participate in. Concretely, there are four essential freedoms that users need in order to have full control over a given program. Freedom zero is the freedom to run the program any way you wish for any purpose you have. Freedom one is the freedom to study the program source code and modify it as you wish so the program does what you actually want. These two freedoms you can apply by yourself alone, end quote. Stallman says that the other two freedoms have to do with cooperation with others, as freedom two is the freedom to make exact copies and redistribute them to others when you wish. Quote, freedom three is to make and distribute copies of your modified versions if you have made any, taking advantage of freedom one. And freedom two, we make and distribute these copies when you wish. If the users have all four of these essential freedoms, then the users control the program both separately and collectively, end quote. Stallman clarifies that when free software movement began in 1983, there were people who liked the free programs that our community had developed, but they found or but they found philosophically too radical because it talked about right and wrong rather than mere conveniences, successes, and so on, end quote. People from the crypto and general technology communities have been talking about the Chinese government's aim at launching its own central bank digital currency as well as plans by the Bank of Thailand to launch a project to pilot test its CBDC payment system with the largest building material provider in the country. However, Others believe that CBDC could be surveillance methods for governments to monitor the financial activities of its citizens. Yes, it will. Stallman blames the, quote, totalitarian surveillance of the Chinese government for this distrust. Quote, digital payment systems are fundamentally dangerous if they are not engineered to ensure privacy. China is the enemy of privacy. China shows what totalitarian surveillance is like. I consider that hell on earth. That's part of why I haven't used cryptocurrencies that are issued by the community. If the cryptocurrency is issued by a government, it would surveil people just the way credit cards do and PayPal does and all those other systems, meaning, uh, meaning completely unacceptable, end quote. However, he doesn't see any contradiction when talking about the genesis of the cryptocurrency concept and the fact that it could be issued by a government. Quote, contradiction is a very specific concept. What is a cryptocurrency? It is the use of a particular technological method. If a government implements that method, I don't see that as a contradiction. But if a government uses it as a surveillance device, I think that is vicious, end quote. The founder of the free software movement paused to explain the concept of privacy when talking about crypto's privacy. Quote, what is privacy? Privacy means being able to say and do things without their being known to some powerful entity that can use them to attack you. 
in general. The things you do should not go into a database. The things you say to a few people shouldn't go into a database. Now, exceptions to this are sometimes justified. We want the government to investigate. This needs a bit of editing. We want the government to investigate crime and catch criminals. And that can require getting private information from people and about people, In quote. Yeah. Okay, well, what's a crime? If you're going to ask the question, what is privacy, Mr. Stallman, then what is crime? Who makes those definitions? Stallman also calls for laws that restrict the use of face recognition cameras in the street or license plate recognition cameras, putting the United States as a case of implementing surveillance methods. Quote, we need laws restricting the use of such cameras uh, to make sure that databases that track people around the city as they move cannot be collected. Any systematic attempt to recognize people other than people subject to specific court orders, perhaps a limited exception because their limits are safe for society, they will not lead to general repression. That's the approach that has to replace data protection, end quote. Uh, let's see. So, oh yeah, it continues just a little bit more here. Uh, so that there was a question and answer on this particular panel. And here are a couple of the Cointelegraph questions. What's your personal experience with cryptocurrency? Have you ever held or transacted something like Bitcoin? Mr. Stallman says, the answer is no, I don't do any kind of digital payments. And the reason is the systems that exist do not respect the user's privacy. And that includes Bitcoin. Hmm. Every Bitcoin transaction is published. Now, people might not know what wallet belongs to me, but if I used it more than a few times, it would be possible to figure out that it's me. People with enough information could do so. I'd rather use cash and that's how I buy things. I do mail checks for a number of things where businesses know who I am. When I pay the electric bill and the gas bill, well, I have an account with those businesses and I have to pay it. They send me bills with my name on it so I don't lose anything by sending them checks with my name on them too. <laughs> but when I go to a store and buy something, the store has no right to know who I am and I won't let it know who I am so I don't use existing digital payment systems. There is one other thing I don't like about Bitcoin and that is that it is easy to use for tax evasion. Now, I don't do that. But there are businesses that do tremendous amounts of tax evasion, and it is a big problem. It impoverishes most of us. It means the government doesn't have enough money to do the things the government should be doing. Oh, you see, you had me up until then. Even your, your bullshit about Bitcoin, I thought you were a good joke. But this one, you want to know what a contradiction is? That's a contradiction. What he just said right there. Last thing he says, there are a lot of things we need the government to do to have a society that is good for everybody. When the hell did we ever have a society that was good for everybody? Can anybody answer me that question? Even Switzerland. Clearly, somebody, a whole, a whole groups of people in Switzerland have not been treated fairly. And we could go to Venezuela where a whole, almost the entire country that does, you know, any citizen that does not work directly for the military or the government been treated like shit for fucking decades. And you're telling me that we need a society that's good for everybody. Every society we have is not good for everybody. It never has been. And it always results in collapse of empire. When are you going to get this shit through your head? And it begins with taxes and it ends with the debasement of the currency. Man, Jesus. Richard Stallman's a dick. Get it? Richard, Dick, whatever.
All right. Daily Train Wrecked is uh, brought to you by some cat named Nick Johnson, also known as Nick.eth. And yes, this is part of last weekend's row between Bitcoiners and Ethereans uh, about how the fact that we know how much total supply Bitcoin has, but nobody can figure out what the total supply of, of Ethereum is. And a script had never been written to do it, even after five years in existence. It's like, oh, we forgot to figure out how much shit we have. I, I still don't get it. But again, let's just get into the damn train wreck right here. Um, this is one of many tweets I may refer to every time I need to, to stop gap. And, and, or if I have a gap in the daily train wreck, I may just go to this thread because this is, it's full of little nuggets like this. An Ethereum node also enforces the rules it's knowing your node checks things that's important, not the exact number it outputs. I have never in the history of myself had to go to a bank to find out what my balance was. I just knew that I had a bank. I entrusted them to, to do stuff and reach for things. Therefore, I don't need to know how much money is in my bank account. Gee, I feel better already. God, there's your smoldering pile right there in the corner. And because that was so bad, let's just blow right in to a terrible joke corner. Now, Nelson M. Rosario set me up for this. All right. Uh, uh, pretty sure he's a, what is he? What is Nelson? He is a, uh, oh yeah, he's at a, uh, oh, he's at uh, a law firm. So he does intellectual property stuff and law stuff. Anyway, he wrote, tweeted out a question. He said, or a challenge, I suppose. He says, name a legacy institution that isn't on fire right now. And I wrote back, I volunteer fire departments. Okay, it's not the greatest crappy joke, but here's the rub. I didn't even know I did it. I, I did. I had, I, I wrote down volunteer fire departments literally because I knew that they were not having, they were not experiencing difficulty like all the rest of the institutions in the United States. Another good answer to that question was NASA. NASA doesn't seem to be on fire, but as I read back through it, and realize that volunteer fire departments, of course, are not on fire because they, they put fires out. And I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm going to put myself up as the terrible joke corner. And yeah, that one's pretty bad. Pretty bad. Um, is there anything else going on? Not really. Uh, prices, let's see, what's what the price ending at right now? I'm on TradingView. We got a dump going on, 11553 so somebody's lit some of the smoke out of the room, but you know how the shit rolls. Wait, a, you know, it's like Texas weather. Wait a few hours, uh, it'll change. So with that said, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.